Welcome to Avondale Sky Winery. This is Carl Catino. Well, I think with uh, season two, uh, we wanted to highlight some of the people in the community that we collaborate with. I think season one did a really great intro to who we are as individuals, as owners, as a family. But season two, we wanted to really branch out to, to let the world know some of the partners that we, we work with. Uh, I thought it would be a, a really cool idea if we highlight some of these partners because they've got their own story. In this episode, we are joined by co-owner and co-founder of the Church Brewing Company, Steve Hasem. Church Brewing is a local leader based in Wolfville, Nova Scotia. We love their product, their branding, and frankly, we just love them as great friends. Avondale Sky Winery and Church Brewing have worked together on a few collaborations, and we shared a lot in common long before either of the sets of brothers got into the alcohol beverage industry. We talked about how the name came before they even found the venue, how an engineering background helps when it comes to brewing beer, and that there are secret hidden puzzles on every can they produce. Welcome, everybody. My name is Carl Catino, uh, one of the co-owners here at Avondale Sky Winery. I'm Sean Catino. I'm the general manager here at Avondale Sky Winery, running the restaurant and retail. Today, we are sitting here with uh, co-owner of Church Brewing Co., Steve Hasem, uh, who's actually become more than a colleague, more of a friend in the past uh, number of years since. Mm. Yeah, you, you, I hope you feel <laughs> that as well. Um, well. I'm flashing you the heart <laughs> right now. So he made a heart with his fingers. Uh, you know, for us, you know, in the wine business, we're in it three years now. And I think one of the first meetings that we had booked pre-pandemic, when that short window between owning the business and the pandemic hitting in that three months was with Church Brewing. And it was because... It seemed cool. It seemed it seemed like, you know what, they, they, they're doing good things. Their marketing looks awesome. We like their product already. And my brother and I, Sean, you know, we went out there, sat down with Steve and Matt, co-owners, and I think we found a lot of things that we had in common. And uh, yeah, it was instant, right? It was just like, it's like we already had known each other, which I know we, we didn't. Um, but what I liked about our relationship and, and our collaboration from that point on is we had we brainstormed a hell of a lot the first time we met Then the pandemic happened and everybody pivoted various directions on how they were going to just keep their own business afloat and what it was going to look like. And here we are, you know, two and a half, three years later, and we're executing on some of the stuff we talked about at that initial meeting. But I digress. We'll get into that as we talk today. What I want to ask you first, Steve, is uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get into this business that is brewing beer and having an awesome little venue to sell it at? You know, and uh, thank you very much for, first of all, for inviting us. I'm sorry Matt can't be with us right now. Um, he's not feeling well. He really regrets not being here because he's part of the brotherhood. But, uh, you know, when we did first meet, um, we immediately felt a connection with you both. Uh, you were brothers um, in uh, the beverage business. Uh, you came into the bev beverage business with, uh, you know, little experience, um, it, you know, from what we were talking about. And, yeah. and uh, my brother and I came in as uh, petroleum geologists, formerly petroleum geologists into an industry we didn't know a thing about. Right. Um, so we saw the connection there. Both, well, we all graduated from St. Mary's University. Absolutely. What an amazing connection. Yeah. And uh, we're sitting in a church right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's so, right. you know, the church and our products are very uh, interlinked. The names of our beers are, are interlinked there. Um, so there was there was that connection. And if we have an affinity to any beverage company in Nova Scotia, 
it's with you guys. Oh man, that means Love a lot. Yeah. That means a lot. Thank you very much. We feel the same way about you guys. I mean, obviously, it's been a fantastic partnership. I'm sometimes more proud of the life after death than uh, some of our wines. <laughs> I'm just like, this is my favorite thing because <laughs> yeah. uh, the story behind it just makes me so happy. So yeah, no, for sure. So tell us about Church Brewing Company. Like, so how long have you been around? Give, give it to the listener that doesn't know who you guys are, which okay. I don't know who they'd be, but they should. So we're located in Wolfville, Nova Scotia, um, beautiful valley, not too far from you guys, uh, half an hour, 45 minutes. Um, we love it here. Uh, we grew up in Nova Scotia, uh, moved to to Calgary into the petroleum industry. Matt was there for 20 years. I was there for, for 25 years. Um, he's eight years younger than me, so I guess he, I say he followed in my footsteps. So <laughs> we became geologists. Um, we wanted to get back home. Uh, we wanted to come back with our families to Nova Scotia. We were sitting on the beach one day at White Point, And the irony here is that we always had family vacations in Nova Scotia where we got everybody together for a little reunion on the Haysom side in White Point. So we had the whole family there together. And we said, geez, we just have to get back to Nova Scotia. What are we going to do? Well, we were sitting there on the beach out front of our cottage with the kids running around. And we had a craft beer and we were we were drinking it. And Matt said to me, Steve, you know what we should do? <laughs> and I said, what, Matt? And I was pretty interested because he, he comes up with some good ideas. Yeah. He said, let's open up a craft brewery. <laughs> and I said, Matt, I love it. I took another swig of my beer. <laughs> and I said, let's call it the Church Brewing Company. And this was 10 years ago. Wow. And he said to me, Steve. I love the name of that. Let's do it. Did you guys already own the church at this point? No. <laughs> <laughs> so then that's the next part. He says, well, if we're calling ourselves a church brewing company, we've got to do this in a church. And I said, you're a genius. Man. <laughs> <laughs> so this was 10 years ago and we went looking for a church. Wow. And we went looking for a church in the valley. Uh, we incorporated in 2017, um, just after we found this church. So we looked at a church, first of all, in Prospect Bay. Okay. Um, just outside of Halifax. Then we looked at a church in Halifax. And we said, we really need to focus on a church in the valley. We think the valley's a destination. Yeah. Um, it's uh, a place where the wineries have uh, just exploded. Um, it's a wonderful um, place for for uh tourists to come yeah and um we said let's look there so my mother said well there was a church for sale on main street at one point probably three years ago and uh, it's a beautiful church it's an old andrew cobb church of you don't know who andrew cobb is he's a, a famous architect um he designed king's college uh in halifax uh, dingle tower i can um, see the similarities yeah yeah you know so he's and he's designed a lot of houses um so she said, I think it was for sale. So I contacted a good friend of mine who's a realtor, and he um, is like a pig to truffles. He, <laughs> he found out who the owner was. Um, we did some hard negotiations, and uh, we landed the Church Brewing Company. Wow. I would have never thought, in all the times we've talked, I never thought that finding the church came after knowing the name of yeah, the church. never. But that's what I love about you guys. That's yeah. kind of, it's backwards, but it works out perfectly. Like I would have thought for sure it was like, hey, we bought the church and then that just made logical sense to name it the Church Brewing Co. But it was actually the opposite way. That's just amazing. Amazing. Maybe it's Blue Ocean. 
<laughs> Got lots of that. What do you find are the most challenging uh, items, struggles that face your industry, or let's even call it our industry if we want to call it local uh, beverage, but certainly craft brewing uh, in Nova Scotia? Well, we have not had one year, operating year, outside of COVID. Wow. So you can imagine how challenging that is. We've had to, um, you know, when COVID hit, we had to lay off staff. Then we had to rehire them back. We had to lay off staff again. We had to rehire them back. Every, every time there was a closure. And there's a huge cost associated with closing. Uh, it's not just a brewery. Obviously, it's a, it's a large restaurant. Yeah. We can seat uh, well over uh, 200 people. I think yeah. Our capacity is around 260, 275. We have a large patio. Uh, we had a staff of uh, 82. Uh, the first time we closed, um, and we had to let go 70. We kept the 12 staff that were uh, that were salaried employees with benefits. Uh, many of them had joined us from uh, far away. Some, had, two had come from Ontario, uh, and then a family had come from Calgary. So we really felt uh, an obligation to them to keep them employed through the pandemic. And then um, to use an overused word, we had to pivot. You know, we had to switch our business. We had to immediately move to online sales and we didn't have an online platform built. Um, not a good one anyway. Yeah. Um, and then we had to go to delivery uh, of beer in uh, HRM and the Valley. And then we had to do uh, a takeout model because we were a restaurant with a full kitchen. So we had to utilize that. And obviously uh, our head chef was a salaried employee as well. So we all had to put different hats on in the pandemic, we all had to step up. Um, Matt and I were essentially our delivery drivers, right? You know, for, for every time we closed, we, we did the deliveries, uh, as I sure you guys did too. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We're yeah gonna, that's we're a big similarity live. for sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and, um, there's a lot of sleepless nights. You're really worried about the employees you had to let go. You wonder how they're doing mentally. Uh, a lot of them, we needed to help them put a uh, record of employments together so that they could, could collect their benefits. Most of them came back. We have a very low um, attrition rate at the church. Um, we, uh, we're very fortunate. People like working there. Now, that all that said, there's a lot of positives that came of this. We became, I think, better. Um, we were more efficient. Uh, we looked to lower our costs, even though costs were going up from a supply cost chain perspective, which has been another challenge. But what we did was we really keep looking to lower our costs, look to improve our online presence, look to improve our uh, delivery methods and just get better overall. So I think that we are leaner, yeah. uh, not meaner, but, uh, <laughs> but leaner. And definitely, I think there's has to be some good that comes out of things like the pandemic. And I think that that was one of them. Yeah. Absolutely. I think we feel a lot the same way. Uh, the online revenue stream just wasn't really a thing uh, prior to the pandemic, but uh, it's something that we definitely had to take action on and make sure that we were part of the game. Otherwise you sink, right? You got to do something to stay afloat. So um, yeah, that uh, building that up has made it so it's a little bit consistent, um, especially during these winter months when we have to shut down during the seasonality of the business. Um, so yeah, it's nice to hear that you guys created the same sort of thing for yourselves. And you've been probably similar to us, you know, not one really good operating year outside of, of the pandemic. Oh, no, we bought it three months before the pandemic. Yeah. So we were we we closed uh, around December 
2019. So like three months later, pandemic ensued. So the benefit to us, uh, I think, is we being new owners, everything was new to us. Um, so we weren't stuck in our old ways. Everything was new anyways. It was learning every day. So it's not like you're, you're like, this is the way we do things, whatever. It was very much everything was a pivot. Everything was new. We can change on a dime because it doesn't really matter. It's all new to us either way. Yeah. So And we were all learning. Staff yeah. were learning. Every business was learning. Like, what, what, how far apart do tables need to be? Like, you know, mm-hmm. how often do you need to clean something? And it was just like, that was not anything that anybody really knew. So we were all sort of learning. And I can remember talking to industry, uh, you know, through the wine growers, Nova Scotia or wherever. And uh, what are you guys doing? What are you guys doing? People, emails were flying around about what's the rule on this? What's the rule on that? Go get clarification from the province. So I totally get those types of challenges. And 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 I think every business would have been in the, in the same boat. But um, th- for us, though, like I agree with Sean, it was it helped us walk before we had to start to run. Uh, this year was probably the first year that we kind of seemed like there was less restrictions. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was... Um, if you could call it a normal year or what would have been a normal year pre 2020. And I, you know, I think we're almost back to uh, normal years. I agree with you. You know, this summer I think was uh, felt like a little bit of a different summer. Uh, we've had, even though we've been closed down quite a bit, we've had since opening in 2019, 450,000 people through the door. Holy, that's awesome. Uh, the ones that we were able to, to count on our yeah. point of sale machine. Yeah. Um, so we're very, very fortunate there. And we pay almost $2 million a year throughout these years to to our staff. Yeah. We support local. We're still purchasing local produce and, and goods yeah. uh, using local as much as we can. So we're we're hoping that helps the, the local economy as well. And hey, with supply chain issues, this is where you want to be. The the closer your goods yeah. are to to your place of operation. The uh, the safer you are, you know, you've you've got lower transportation costs. Yeah. You're also supporting local and security of supply, which yeah. I think the reliability of knowing it's there, you can pick it up on your way in if you had to, or whatever it may be. Yeah. yeah. So we've been very very fortunate that the community, Nova Scotians, tourists, when we did open up, supported us, and they came out in masses. So you know, we're almost at half a million people uh, to date. And uh, I, we think that for us and, and probably for you guys too, that it's the, the sky's the limit here. Yeah. So Steve, in terms of, uh, you know, obviously that you, you mentioned you didn't really have a brewing background or a beer background outside of maybe drinking it. What has been the most surprising thing? If you were to pick one thing that you said, this is the most surprising to me about this industry or running this business versus another type of industry. Beer making is not easy. Yeah, <laughs> that just, was a surprise. <laughs> I would have thought that would be a challenge. Well, we used know. to make it, uh, you know, when we At were home. going to college. We yeah, used yeah, to yeah. Make it, We used to make it in college. Yeah, you, know, you, you, you closet mix, beers. You do closet, and it was actually in the closet. <laughs> yeah, they always I, yeah. He used to make them in the closet too. <laughs> yeah, I remember yeah, yeah. they were yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. Just trying to yeah. mitigate the smell throughout the whole apartment. <laughs> I think our taste wasn't as good back then. So we didn't have very good palates, and what we were producing, we thought was amazing. I remember one night we heard. Bang, bang, bang in the middle of the night. I grabbed my stick the side of the bed thinking <laughs> that someone was trying to break into uh, to our apartment. Yeah. But we had beers that had been capped in our closet oh, and they had, they had over fermented and they all popped. So we had beer all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, making beer is not easy. We, we are petroleum geologists and we have a uh, strong engineering um, skill set as well. And our industry... Uh, the beer making industry is process engineering. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's pressure, volume, and temperature. You know, PV equals NRT. It's it's uh, 
it's essentially that. And so we knew that as long as we were good, we were efficient, and we hired the right people, we were going to be okay. I think in any industry, it's about the people you hire. Yes. You want to be the best leader possible, but you know what you know, and you know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. And knowing what you don't know is even more important than knowing what you know. So you hire an amazing brewer, you hire an amazing uh, front of house manager, amazing chefs, amazing people, you're going to be okay. And you give them the tools that they need to be leaders. And you give them the tools that they need to do their job. When they come in to work every day, they know what they, they have to do. They know it's going to be exciting and you reward them. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. That's Again, I, I see that similarity, not to be overly repetitive, but when we bought the business, it was like the assets we were getting were a lot more than just the inventory of wine and the property. It was the winemaker, the staff, the vineyard manager, the vineyard crew, you know, that types of stuff. We, we were there to learn from them, and we still are learning from them day in, day out, but also giving them, like you said, giving them the tools and resources, listening to them about what can make their job better, therefore making our product better. Um, we're going to do it, you know. We would have nothing without... We would have nothing, nothing. Without, without no. those guys. And the quality of our stuff, I mean, the, the, we can we can do the social media stuff, we can do the private events, we can do some of that stuff ourselves, some of the hospitality, but when it came down to it, you needed to have the product and we needed more lips on our wine. And and that, you know, I again, I look at our partnership together, um, just being able to work with you guys and get some ideas from you guys and collaborate like we've done, uh, giving us some different products as well has been, has been great, but you know, some co-branding, you know, letting people in the community know that we work together. I think that, that helps us. I mean, I don't know if it helps you guys as much as it helps us. Uh, you're kind of like, we talk about us being a brotherhood. You guys are like our big brothers, you know, like we look at it and say, you guys took a risk even before we we knew who you were, but now hearing more about it, it's like you're a good sounding board for us to bounce things off and, and to talk about. And uh, we don't just say that as fluff. We, you know, we do that. I send you emails, I send you texts and say, we're thinking of doing this. Would you guys be interested? Uh, because if you are, then that's a good sounding board for me to say, we're not crazy. <laughs> if we're thinking of doing something non-alcoholic or whatever, like let's see what the Hasten brothers think. Or if, we're all crazy together. Or we're all crazy together. And, and, and at least we've mitigated the risk by being crazy together. Uh, that means a lot to us. Well, we've been doing the same thing. So maybe we're just all on a fool's errand here. <laughs> well, I will, I will uh, note one thing that I, that I think that we really learned off, off you um, and your family. When I was here with my partner who, uh, who runs Annapolis Cider and um, Lost Bell, uh, a couple times, we have always noticed on the weekends that it's a family affair. You're all working so well and so hard together. It's impressive. We're a little bit of a family affair too. Uh, Matt's wife, Erin, she runs all of our social media, our community relations. She helps out with a lot of our HR. So we feel like we're a family too. But I'll tell you what, we come in to your winery and we're blown away by how integrated you guys are from a family perspective and how happy people are to see <laughs> that you are all working as a family. And it's not, it doesn't go unnoticed. Yeah, no, thank you. No, it means a lot. I know it's definitely more uh, Sean and my mom and dad that are here more often than myself and my wife, but um, you know, we, we all try and play a part in the, in the business. And uh, the more that we're all comfortable in each, uh, each aspect, I think just makes us a more well-rounded team. Right. And, and, but the staff in general, they, they carry us the most of the way I know uh, for a lot of the events and stuff we do. But but thank you for, for mentioning that. One thing I'm going to ask you, Steve, is actually I'm going to jump ahead for a second just so you brought a lot of different product here. So I thought, um, could you tell us a little bit about what products maybe are launching in 2023 or what you have here that maybe we can crack into and have a taste of? 
Yeah, well, there's a lot of beers sitting in front of us right now, Carl, <laughs> so you know, I don't really know where to start. Um, what, what's, the, what, what's one that you're most proud of this year? I'm most right. proud of our Forgive Me Father. Okay. It's a coffee stout. Okay. This is new. This is new. Uh, it's only available at um, the port um, as an exclusive product. Okay. It's available now. Um, Obviously available also so at the brewery. It's available at the brewery, sorry, yes. And uh, it's available on kegs. Is it available online? Yes, you will be able to get it online as well. Okay. I haven't so, had my coffee this morning, so I'm <laughs> coffee stout right instead of a coffee. <laughs> Lovely. And we and we brew this, and after it's brewed, we cold let it cold sit before fermentation in coffee. Okay. And I'm taking a little sip of this now too. Oh, and if you can smell the coffee in it, it's oh, coffee, God. it's chocolatey, it's a stout, but it's smooth and easy drinking. Do you mind telling us what coffee it's it sits on? It's it's a regular medium roast okay. um, that, that we use in this. So the really cool part about this beer yeah. is that we have quite we have quite a large volume brewery. So we have a 30 hectoliter brewery with a five barrel to mix uh, units uh, pilot system. So to put in perspective, that is as big as say a propeller or a nine locks or a garrison from a volume uh, possibility perspective. Sure. We're not at lar those large volumes yet because we're a new brewery, but we have the ability to produce large capacity. The pilot system is a game changer. And the pilot system really gives us, because we only produce five barrels at a time with two, two fermenters, what it get, lets us do is test beer. Okay. So we have our cold side, uh, Anthony and uh, Cam Matheson, they're two guys who work on in our packaging, and they're amazing brewers as well. They said, hey, Steve Crane, yeah. who's our head brewer, can we please brew a beer? We'd love to make a coffee stout. So they put the recipe together. They brewed it. This was last year. Yeah. And it was really well received. So they called the beer at that time, Forgive Me Father, uh -huh. because of two references. One, of course, the church. Right. And the second, because they went and brewed a beer, you know, and, and they're not the brewmaster. Right. Not the brewer, right? <laughs> we believe in cross-training. We believe in some level of redundancy. If, if Steve, you know, is, is not able to work, you know, then yep. we, we have people that can, can fill in. So Matt and I are huge believers in this. So to have two brothers, yep. again... Yeah, more brothers. Come and brew a beer together, brew a different type of beer than we're used to, and make, I think, an exceptional, high-quality beer, yep. easy-to-drink, an easy-to-drink stout, which, yep. which this is. Yeah. Oh, it's and delicious. We call it for, for, forgive me, Father. The NSLC took it on. They love the story as well. Yep. And the quality of the beer, I think, speaks for Qual itself. The quality of the beer is fantastic. I do love your... Uh, your names for the mm -hmm. beers. So, you know, you've brought a few today and obviously there's plenty more. Um, who, who Who's the creative behind that? Who comes up with these? Or do you have a list of names and you go, now we need to make the beers that fit these names? Well, we, yeah, we always believe in actually coming up with a name first and then fitting it to the name. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like the church brewing company. <laughs> so... I would tell you that I came up with the names, and if Matt was here, he would tell you that he came up with the names. But I think it's pretty collaborative, to tell you the truth. Sure. Most of our names have church, uh, musical, and uh, area Nova Scotia-type references. Okay. So one of our flagships is our Pilsner. 
It's Congregation Pilsner. Right. It's also a song by the Foo Fighters called nice. Congregation. Right. We have our Heart of Gold, Amber Lager. And these are just the ones I'm sitting in front of me right sure, now. Sure, yeah. of course. Um, and our Heart of Gold is... Uh, Neil Young. It's a Neil Young song. Yeah. yeah. And then on the back of the can, if you look, it says... There's a heart there on the back of the can. And it says, stop searching. Because hmm. we all know that Neil Young says... Right on. Searching for a heart of gold. Yeah, well, you, yeah, yeah. you don't have to search yeah, anymore, that's guys. Awesome. Yeah. I never no, caught like, that reference. Stop looking. Stop looking. It's right, <laughs> it's right in front of you. Here. Yeah. 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 Stop searching. I, I never look at the can long enough because I'm too busy you know, <laughs> having it tilted, but that's, yeah. uh, oh, that's awesome. Then we have our Illuminate. Yes. And uh, our Illuminate is named after a tragically hip song. There's a clue on the can as to what song it is, okay. but I don't want to give it up on air in the podcast. Okay. We've only had a few people get it. So if people get it, you want them to maybe comment on uh, social media? Tell them where the tell them where where the clue is. I don't see well, it. Well, there's a clue, and, and, and it and it the clue is actually quite obvious if you look for the can. But then you have to link the clue and the name of the beer together, mm-hmm. and then to a hip song. And then you'll get the hip song. Oh my gosh! Oh, yeah, you've, okay. you've created a fun challenge. Yeah, I'm not ready to take take this on this moment, but I'm going to take that home. And <laughs> my wife and I are huge hip fans, and uh, and so that will be a good challenge for sure. And then regional. Uh, you know, regionally married to the sea. I mean, you get married in the, in the church and you also get married to the sea. If, if you live, live mm-hmm. in Nova Scotia, you, you feel it in your bones. Uh, Mayflower. Yeah. So that's uh, provincial flower. Probably has less yeah. of a church reference. And I think uh, your brother, Sean, just got it. <laughs> I saw, he, he, I saw he some fine it. print there. He, he said, Sean has said that he's the brains of the operation. So <laughs> he moved pretty quickly and got that one. I got tired of just being the beauty. Well, so. I, you think that's it? Well, I'm not sure. I don't want to give that away on the air, but we can always edit it out. Matt and Steve's Excellent Adventure. I, I see that's Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, the movie. That's yes. what I see. That's named after Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah, but Adventure. I don't see how that would link. I don't see Oh, no, that that's not the... linking it. No. no, that isn't linking it. I okay. thought you actually found. No, I've just never seen that on the other channel. So. He didn't. I did. But anyway, I, well, anyway we're going right. to get sidetracked all together yes. looking at that. But that is a fun <laughs> game. Um, Okay, what about events? Is there any events that you know coming already for 2023 at the church? I know you guys sometimes have the live music and some other things. Tell us about what. So we always have concerts. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the time those concerts are booked a little bit last minute. It's, uh, it's not easy to always get artists. We've actually had to cancel uh, events here and there when we yeah. had to close down for COVID. Right, But we will have some exciting concerts coming up. We don't want to give them away right now, but no. you know, please check us out on Instagram and, and, and Facebook. They will be probably larger artists than we've had before. Awesome. Although we've had some amazing artists like Adam Baldwin, the yeah. Sundries, you know, the, the list goes on. And we tend to have artists come through more in the fall and in through the winter. So we have a lot of those scheduled. Excellent. We also have a really exciting beer. So we have a double IPA that's come out. Oh, um, love a good uh, tipper. It's 902. Oh, It'll be available at the liquor stores in May. So you, you may uh, be able to pick that up right now. What we did with that beer is we started to put billboards around. We had 902 written and the church brewing company. And we, uh, we shaded out yeah. the type of beer, the alcohol percentage to keep people guessing. So every campaign every few months would slowly reveal more and more of the can and 902 of course is our area code of course so this is born and bred 
in Nova Scotia. Love it. For Nova Scotians and hopefully tourists too because we really need your dollars as well. <laughs> <laughs> so we're pretty excited about that one. We, uh, we have, you'll see if you ever come to our restaurant, you will always see a lot of different types of beers yes. on tap that aren't available at the Nova Scotia Liquor Commission that sometimes are available in our uh, crowlers, mm-hmm. which are canned um, growlers. Yep. However, we uh, basically don't have them released yet because we want to see what, what the market yeah. Know, what the customer likes. And as soon as what, you know, we find out the customer likes, then we slowly will move to, to putting it into a can, uh, looking to get in the Nova Scotia Liquor Commission um, or wherever else. Yeah. And that's just similar to Forgive Me Father, you know, that they took that on as a, as a port exclusive. Uh, it was a very well-received beer and we're going to continue to do that. We do have uh, our Atlantic Lager. Mm-hmm. Uh, you probably recall the Atlantic Lager was a partnership that we had with the CFL, really easy drinking beer. We outsold Moosehead at the wow. uh, CFL game uh, that was last year yeah. in uh, in July yeah. at, uh, at Acadia University. Really well attended. And uh, that beer, that Atlantic Lager, is going to, to be out as well at St. Mary's University in uh, July, the next, Excellent. Uh, the next Touchdown Atlantic. So Excellent. we're partnered with the CFL. And we're also working on a larger commitment with the CFL. We hope to be the craft beer at um, the Grey Cup in Hamilton uh, this year. Wow. That is amazing. That is a fantastic partnership. I mean, I saw, I know, I think the CFL commissioner was was at uh, church this past year or 2022. Yeah, Carl. uh, Yeah, 2022. He he was probably there about 10 times. Is that right? That's at least 10 times. That's fantastic. I, I think it was, you know, one of his favorite stops. Yeah. And uh, we also had uh, Pinball Clements. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was there and a lot of other uh, former CFL athletes and um, part of the CFL team. They, yeah. they, were, they were there. And they were amazing to work with. Okay. Quality organization. And we, we inked a, a three-year deal that we hope is going to extend further into that where we don't just become the craft beer right. of uh, Touchdown Atlantic, but we become the craft beer of the CFL. That's um, huge. And then we'll we'll look to try to get into other stadiums as well because they yeah. have separate pouring rights at other stadiums. For sure, for sure. Do, do you guys export? So we're, do you get out of the province with your beers? Or? We do. Uh, you can order our beers online. Okay. So wherever it is legal to have yeah. those beers exported into, um, we do that. And then uh, we're also uh, we're also sold in Newfoundland. We have seven listings in Newfoundland. Fantastic. Wow. So we're That's great. Pretty, we're pretty happy about that. We... We um, love working with the NL- NLC, so yeah. Newfoundland and Labrador mm-hmm. um, yeah. Liquor Corporation. And uh, they have been very receptive. Newfoundlanders in general have been very receptive to, uh, to our beer. I think they like the fact that uh, it's the beer and the church are yes. interrelated. Yeah. They love the church. They, you know, they, they love going to church, but they yeah. love making fun of themselves and the church at the same time, <laughs> too. So it's been a wonderful relationship in, in Newfoundland. We, uh, <clears throat> we're looking to get into Alberta. Okay. As, as well this year, and uh, it, it looks promising there, and hopefully we're, we'll move into other provinces. Good. Awesome. Um, you, you mentioned, oh, there's a couple things. One, I have to ask a question on the 902. Is this your first double IPA? Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. Super Fantastic. Excited. Okay, because I've always loved the Mayflower, um, but I just couldn't remember if there was a double IPA that slipped through the cracks that I didn't try, so I'm glad that I will definitely have the 902 on the uh, the short list at the at the church when I go back. Um, the other question I had was on, you mentioned the uh, Nova Scotia Liquor C- 
a corporation and yes. the NSLC listings. And we know a little bit of that from the wine side. Uh, how do you find it from the, from the craft brewing side of getting listings? How many listings do you want? Is there a perfect mix? Uh, it's a bit of a learning curve for us sometimes just saying, how much do we want to sell? Because for wine, we get one shot at it every year. We, we harvest it, it goes into tanks, we bottle it, and that's our inventory for the year. Once you allocate some to the NSLC, we can't start to do up a new batch where with, that's a little bit of a difference with beer. I guess you could say you could do a crowler and say, how's this moving? Okay, let's make a little bit more of that. Let's make a lot more of that. What's the demand? So how does that work for you guys when you manage your general listings at the NSLC or is there a right number that you're looking to try and accomplish? Well, I think you, you want three or four core brands if you can get there. So what are your core brands going to be? You may see one brand is performing amazingly well, so there's your core brand. You may see one of your other core brands that you thought was going to perform well not be performing that well. And so you know you want to look at potentially switching that out if it's possible. The lead time can be six months minimum to, to possibly a year to get uh, a new OTO or one-time offering. And then it takes a little while to to get it into a general listing and that general listing is only based on sales. So you have to show good performance with your one-time offering and then you get a general listing. If your general listing is not, not performing well, uh, then you can have that general listing pulled or potentially swapped out. So really I think you need shelf presence. So smaller breweries, they don't have a lot of shelf presence. They might have one or possibly two beers with, with good shelf presence so, so that people can actually see your beer and find it. And then you have some of the larger breweries like Breton and Garrison and, and uh, Tata, um, Nine Locks. They'll have a, a much larger shelf presence, so easier to find their beer. But I think at the end of the day, really what you want to be able to sell is your best margin beer and your most popular beer because there's an economy of scale. The more beer you, you can produce for your customers that your customers are liking, um, then uh, you know the more efficient you are as well. And I think that that's the key. It's what does the what do the customers like? I think that sometimes we, while we're craft, you know, producers, we think, hey, the customer should like this. The amount of time that I put into this product is is uh, is quite amazing, and I don't understand why they don't. Versus saying, hey, what do my customers want, and how can I understand that that maybe this beer is something that, that they don't want? Mm-hmm. We go back to the double IPA. We noticed that the United States are a few years ahead of where Canada is on, on for their what their customers like. Okay. So we were down a few times in in Boston, Colorado, California. We know there's a lot of uh, double IPAs down there, and as long as these double IPAs are easy drinking, they're they're higher alcohol content. Yeah. But as long as they're okay. easy drinking, um, we we find that they sell pretty well. And you'll see that the double IPAs uh, have a very good shelf presence. So. It's it's a little blue ocean when it comes to um, when it comes to Canada and, and probably Nova Scotia with the double IPAs, but that seems to be uh, where things where things could be going. Mm-hmm. That said, we can have the nine hundred two in a regular IPA as well. Right. Yeah. Oh, I'm 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 really excited to try that for sure. Um, another thing I'm really excited to try this year is our c- collaboration. Um, so l- last year we. We released together Life After Death, which um, we'll give a little preamble. Maybe Sean can tell us a little bit about how we ended up um, with that name from that initial meeting way back uh, in 2020. But 
I want to talk a little bit about the actual beer itself, because from a collaboration perspective, <clears throat> what it allows us to do is essentially as a winery, we're allowed to sell a beer that we have a very small hand in, but yet a hand in making and helping co-brand with you guys, which I think is fantastic. It was a huge hit for us last year. Um, and this year, uh, your brewmaster, Steve Crane, has worked with our winemaker, Ben Swetnam, to come at it again, do a bigger a bigger batch. It was in high demand last year when we had it. I'm sure it was for you guys as well, uh, despite having multiple uh, beer options. But for us, when we only had it as our only beer option that we could sell, it was super high demand. But yeah. I digress to let you tell a little bit about how we ended up with that name, and Steve certainly chime in. Well, yeah. So I guess it, uh, it was pretty serendipitous when we when we met. I think it was. It might have even been near our first conversation. We we started chatting about who we are. We're brothers. We own church. We we each own a church and in the beverage industry. And uh, I I don't know how it came about, but we we started talking about how we like rap. Um, <laughs> and our winemaker, he he had a lot of our tanks named after rappers, uh, which we've which we've referenced in a previous podcast. The biggest tank is Biggie, a little Kim beside it, yeah. um, and then our tall skinny tank is Snoop. So uh, yeah, we had we had lots of we knew our winemaker like that kind of stuff as well. Maybe I think you may have seen our, our wine Notorious. Maybe that was a. I think we were, I think we were just talking about Notorious at the time. Maybe we, we told we told you guys we've got this idea yeah. Yeah. and we said it was kind of that NDA thing. Like don't tell anyone because <laughs> we don't want it to leak out, but we want and to do this notorious RED. And another one of the ironies and shows that we're on very similar paths here is that when we came in here and you were talking about the notorious red, which yeah. we think is an amazing red, you know, Nova Scotia is not known for its reds, but you know, that red hit yeah. it out of the park. No, thank you. Then we saw um, one of your tanks called Biggie. Yeah. yeah. The other right. tank Snoop. That's my daughter's nickname. <laughs> She's Sophie, but, but her nickname isn't Snoop after the rapper Snoop Dogg. It just just happens to be Snoop. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, my brother calls her Snoop, and we've got a couple of friends that call her Snoop. <laughs> but uh, she, and she's very dear to my heart. So I see Snoop. I see the tank Biggie. You know the the notorious Red. And remember, what does the Church Brewing Company name a lot of their beers after? Music songs. Yeah. And music. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So this is a, a triple. On Tom. Yeah, yeah right? it's yeah. true. Yeah. Because it's, true. it's a church reference. Yes. Life After Death. Yeah, right? 100%. Life After Death may be one of the albums. best yeah. rap albums ever. Yeah, right? agreed. By the Taurus B.I.G. or Biggie Smalls, whatever, yeah. you, whatever you want to call him. Yeah. Right? And uh, Life After Death also speaks to the grape skins that were used. Yeah. And, um, you know, hopefully uh, one, of the, one of the two of you can discuss those grape skins yeah. a little bit more. But in other words, hey, these skins don't just have to be fed to livestock or, you know, right. or, or, you know, put to compost, to compost sometimes. Right? Yeah. 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 Uh, they can be used to create a little bit of life yeah. uh, in a beer uh, after the death of those, those grapes and, yeah. and the juices. That's exactly it. Yeah. yeah. So, so in 2021's harvest, we used our Pinot Noir um, grapes and so crushed them down and we did a very small experiment. Really, you guys did the experiment. Steve Crane did the experiment to make a, what I'd call, I guess, a sparkling rosé, right? Sour. Effectively a sour. Yeah, sour. Yeah, sour rosé is a better term for it than sparkling. But the beautiful bottle. Um, and then this year, we looked at it and said, okay, we want to yield more. We weren't going to get it from our Pinot Noir crop. So what you're going to see on shelves in 2023 is our Leon Malo grape skins. So we had a lot more... Um, in terms of weight, uh, uh, that uh, Steve came over, Steve Crane came over with the, uh, I don't know what you'd call that 
tank vessel that he brought with him but um we got it loaded full it was well, hopefully you had some pictures of us filling that with i, uh, I think i took a video with buckets it, yeah. uh buckets and buckets of grape skins and, and then uh crane is working on it and it, you know makes a beautiful again another sour rosé this year using the um Leon Malo skin. So life after death, it's the, you know, Leon Malo is a, is a grape that we'd use in some red wines, obviously some rosés as well. We do a dry rosé. It also goes into um, various red wines that we do, uh, including the notorious yep. R.E.D. Uh, but here we are taking the skins, which as, as you mentioned, Steve, could otherwise go out to a field and just compost. Um, but instead, your brains and your operation can create it into a beer which then allows us to sell delicious it you guys beer. to sell a delicious beer um and i don't think it's just our brains it's it's again the collaborative approach to yep. it all and we we tip our hats to to uh you and your uh, your winemaker ben to being so diligent with us you know providing us with these with these skins um it's a very special beer we we think this is this is the one we're most ex- excited about last year we put it in uh, a darker bottle this year we have it in a, in a lighter bottle. We also have it in cans and kegs, you know, and you guys will be taking cans and kegs. And this is a special release. They got a lot of traction last year. This one's going to be a little bit different. There's going to be notes of cranberry and, and cherry. We've already, we've already tried a little bit of it. Um, it's, uh, I think it's going to be, going to be pretty special. Um, it's sour again, of course. And uh, we, we, this is kind of a special way to brew a beer like this. This is a post fermentation. We take the the skins, um, we mix them. They're cold. They're cold mixed essentially, and then uh, we uh, so we flow some of some of the beer that we've already produced to on top of the skins. We let it sit and we look for the color. And as soon as we get the color and a little bit of the flavor we like, then we go back and blend it with the beer, and then we go and um, you know bottle it, can it, and, and keg it, and uh, really let it age. Fruit beers. Uh, they age a lot better. We had a frambois that was a, a cult favorite that we're going to be bringing back also this year, which uh, people are looking forward to. As soon as it's sold out, they're asking, where's the frambois, frambois? And, <laughs> and that is um, a raspberry uh, Belgian beer, yeah. which is brewed in the traditional sense. We use real raspberries. So we don't use flavors and extracts. No. You know, these, these skins aren't the extract of a skin that's being created in a lab somewhere. No, this is the real deal. This has been provided by your expertise, you know, your, your amazing growing conditions mm-hmm. and, uh, and your team and, and your winery to produce something special and something different that I think that uh, all of our customers are going to enjoy. And it solidifies, again, the amazing relationship we have, we have with, uh, with Avondale Sky. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I'm definitely excited for it again this year. And what, what one part of it that I like outside of the beer itself is that it's exclusively offered at Avondale Sky Winery and Church Brewing. It's not, it's not usually something that's going to be mass produced that it can hit liquor stores or other restaurants. If you want to try it or buy it, you've got to come visit one of our shops. And I think that's, that's good for us. That's what we're looking for. It's a, it's a true collaboration of saying come to the place where it's been created, uh, either from our winery or your brewery, brewery, excuse me, and, you know, and try it and enjoy it and take some bottles home to, uh, to enjoy with your friends and, you know, and family. And, f- and further to that, you know, we've even co-branded uh, this beautiful sensoric glass. Uh, the, these are Soam glasses uh, from Europe. They're crystal. Uh, they're quite beautiful. You, they, they work as a wine glass. Um, yeah. And they also work as uh, a beer glass as well. And we, we love the fact that they're co-branded. This beer glass sells really well in a retail store. 
We uh, use this in our restaurant as well. And there's a lot of thought that comes into, as you would know, picking the right glass mm-hmm. for for the right beverage you're drinking. Mm-hmm. And uh, this glass, you know, like oh. I said, it can work with a, a red, it can work with a white, but it will work with with our uh, co-branded beer yeah. amazingly it's well. Per- it's perfect. It even looks like a rose, which yeah. is great. Yeah. It's got yeah. that tulip That's look true. to yeah. it, though. Um, so Steve, you've been a few years into this industry. I got to ask you, I know you're a busy man. So where and how do you find your work-life balance in this day and age? You've got children, you've got, you know, a business to run. Plus you probably have some other things you want to take care of in your own life. So how do you find that work-life balance? My brother. (laughs) So, and I'm not actually kidding. My brother is my work-life balance. Yeah. He is so dedicated to this business. Not that I'm not. Yeah. Um, I'm a little bit more behind the scenes. Matt, is, he runs all of our operations. I'm more corporate, maybe some strategy. I do not put in as much time as, as my brother does. He is working seven days a week, he's available, and he's he's working 60 hours a week at a minimum. Sometimes I think that through the pandemic, he was even working 80 hours a week. Right. So during the pandemic, work-life balance didn't really exist so much because we were trying to save the brewery. Right. My whole idea after I retired from uh, the, he's eight years younger than I am, so he has eight more years to put in. That's how I can look at it. <laughs> um, this business would not exist without Matt. He's he's a wonderful hard worker. He's thoughtful. He's smart. Uh, he's great with the rest of our staff. Uh, he's an amazing HR manager at the end of the day because, you know, if you have a staff of 80 people, it's quite often about HR. Mm-hmm. Work-life balance is important to us. It's a big part of what our mission statement is. Mm -hmm. We actually have guiding principles. We say work-life balance is very, very, very important. However, if you break down what's happened over the last three years during the pandemic, and now we're out of the pandemic, of course, Mm -hmm. work-life balance was not always that, that easy. If you were still working, you were working really, really hard to survive. If you weren't working, you were getting some kind of subsidy from the government. Um, I hope that we're going to be able to achieve work-life balance, but when you first are starting up a business and you're an entrepreneur, I don't think it's reasonable to to think of work-life balance. I think that will come. I think you need to hire the right people at the right times. You have to make the right decisions. But of course, during the opening years, financially, there's more stresses. And I think that once you... Uh, achieve some volume and some better economics, you see some better economies of scale, then I think that you're going to be able to hire more staff and, and hopefully give you that little bit more work-life balance. Oh, that's great. I Thank have you. older kids. They're both they're both in college. One's is just finished up at uh, Acadia and my daughter's going into her third year at uh, University of Ottawa, so that makes it easy. My partner has, uh, has two boys um, and they, they're older as well, so from that perspective, you know, we always come together. We have a lot of great times together. We vacation. Uh, we all vacation together, which I think is really important. But uh, work-life balance, uh, that, that's slowly coming for, for Matt and I think slowly coming for the rest of our management team who have been amazing to work with uh, through the pandemic and then outside of the pandemic. If you look at our industry, we have the large restaurant. For every staff member who's working in our restaurant, and supporting the restaurant and our sales team, the summer is incredibly busy. You use not a lot of work work life balance in the summer. Mm-hmm. It becomes a little bit more easy in the winter. 
yeah. right? Where where you don't have to work as many many hours. Yeah. They're not as long hours. We're blessed to be in a tourist region. We're blessed to have amazing summers here, but it's also a curse from a work-life balance perspective too. Yeah, yeah. I think you you would agree. Probably pretty similar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, without like, each other, we wouldn't have a whole lot. We need we definitely both uh, both working hard right now, yeah. but uh, it's obviously for the bigger picture uh, and the long-term goals. And uh, yeah. do do you see your kids coming into the business uh, at any point? Or? I think kids, our kids should always be welcome to work in the business if they would like to. My son has been a delivery driver. He's worked retail. He is now a server at the church brewing company. However, I think it's important to spread your wings, you know, to leave the nest and, uh, you know, to, to do something different, to, fi- to find your own passion. This is something that Matt and I put together not for um, necessarily monetary rewards. It was to make a difference in people's lives to provide economic and social benefit for the region that we're, we're uh, able to provide services to, to make a difference You know, in Nova Scotia. Our kids need to find out what their passion is and what their drive is. My daughter's worked as a, as a host for a couple of years as well. Uh, if she wants to work somewhere else, I completely support that. I support my kids or whatever they want to do, but find what makes you happy. Find mm-hmm. your, your passion and, and go and do that. Yeah. Um, Steve, I'm going to ask you just one more uh, question here, if, if you're comfortable sharing. Um, what is something about you that you're comfortable sharing that people don't know about you? That I'm maybe a, we don't even know about you. I'm an introvert. You are. So I, whenever I tell my brother I'm an introvert, you know, or if we're ever in a conversation where it actually it actually comes out and say, "Well, actually, I'm an introvert," my brother starts to laugh. He looks at me <laughs> and he shakes his head. He doesn't think I'm an introvert, but I actually am an introvert. Is that right? He yeah. just knows you so well that you are an extrovert to him. Well, yeah, I think that introverts are interesting from my perspective. Like I know I am one, but other people may say there's no possible way you are. But this is my perspective on being an introvert. You can read a room really Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. You can see another introvert in in a heartbeat. (laughs) I don't think extroverts can necessarily see an introvert because they're just too busy being an extrovert that they can't see. So I I think that I'm probably, when I'm comfortable in a room with people I know, then, uh, you know, or I start to speak and I just put all my introvertedness aside that... um, you know, you, you can appear like you're a little bit more of an extrovert. I like to have fun with people too, but it's when I get to know people yeah, really absolutely. well that I can let my guard down. Mm-hmm. We feel that we hear this from customers all the time. The 450,000 people that have come through, yeah. we haven't heard it from all of them, but people say, I feel a sense of excitement and peace and comfort when they go to the church. Yeah. It's it. We hear it all the time. The atmosphere is, is incredible. If, yeah. if you look at, the, the people that go there, we have, you know, young families, young parents. We've got students. We have senior citizens. You know, we have family reunions. Mm-hmm. We have business meetings. We have the full cross-section of society, really, yeah. is coming in there. Tourists, right? It's a place for people to come and congregate again. And if you think about it, this church, there was a United Church of Canada, initially yeah. a Presbyterian church. It, um, it was deconsecrated and sold. Yeah. People aren't going to churches anymore as, as many times. So three churches amalgamated into one, right. New Minus, and they sold this church. 
normally churches that are sold are either demolished or they're repurposed and maybe turned into a small business, maybe a lot of time condos. Mm -hmm. They're built in areas in main streets in towns, in Mm -hmm. small towns, because they were the places where people would easily be able to get to. They were central and they would congregate there. So we feel that we have actually created a place for for people to congregate again and have some fun. And you see that when you, when you come into the church in the winter, you see that when you come into the church in in the summer Mm -hmm. and you, you know, you're sitting on a wonderful patio. We we think we've achieved that, but we couldn't have achieved it without the community, without support, without our wonderful staff and, and also the tourists that uh, that keep coming to the Valley. Amazing place. Yeah, no, I agree. If you guys haven't been to the church brewing company in uh, Wolfville, make it a stop in 2023 and beyond. Uh, Steve, thank you so much for coming out to, uh, to do this with us today. Uh, we look forward to many more years of partnership together. See what else we can cook up with our brewmaster and winemaker together. And uh, yeah, continue to support each other's brands. Absolutely. Well, you know, we, we uh, love you guys. Um, hopefully we have a long relationship with you. You know, you're, you're almost brothers from the same mother. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. No, we agree. Thanks for listening, guys. I uh, hope you enjoyed the story, and uh, we look forward to meeting you in person at the winery. If you'd like to follow us on any of our social media platforms, please visit us at avondalesky.com, and we look forward to sharing a glass with you at beautiful Newport Landing. Cheers. Cheers. This has been a Podstarter production.
I'll do that. Uh, I mean, Rodan. Uh, Steve, can you tell me about like a crazy moment or a story that happened to you or the business since you guys took over? No, absolutely. Um, this story is about one of our main suppliers. Mm-hmm. And our main suppliers, we try to do local as much as possible. So there's a, a fabricator in Prince Edward Island called DME, Diversified Metal Engineering. They provide most of the brewery equipment from a, from a volume percent basis in all of North America. So that's not, mm. not just wow. craft, that's actually also large volume breweries. I mean, they've done work for Coors and Budweiser and you know building large tanks. Mm-hmm. Really, really reputable company. We thought it was run really, really well. Well, we purchased $2 million in brewery equipment. And you have to put a little wow. bit of money up front. Then they start fabricating, put a little bit more money towards it. And then once they're finished fabricating, you know, the, the bill is, is due in full before it's delivered. Mm-hmm. Our brewery floor wasn't ready for the delivery of our tanks and vessels. So we said to DME out of PEI, can you please hold the tanks for us until we're ready to go? Mm-hmm. And as you guys know, construction projects are always delayed. Yeah. So we were way behind. We were probably six months behind. They said, yes, pay the bill, the bill in full. And we'll move it into uh, into a yard, you know, okay. that, that we own. Uh, it's in a it's a fenced off area, so it's you know perfectly safe. Great. I was down in Houston, Texas. I sat on a, an energy board and got a call. Our brewery equipment was being held. The company uh, declared bankruptcy. Wow. And was in receivership. Mm. So whenever anything is in receivership and there's a lock put on the door, all that property is going to be liquidated mm-hmm. held by the banks. However, we had a good relationship with our banker mm-hmm. who, uh, who was the agent. And we had paid for our uh, equipment in full. And we had the receipts for it in full. It took a little while. We got it. We got our equipment. However, there was a point when we immediately spoke to a lawyer who dealt right. with receivership and property law. And his advice to us was get a flatbed truck and a pair of lock cutters, if you know where it is, <laughs> and steal your equipment back. Right. Wow. And I called up my brother and said, what should we do? And he said, well, let's go buy some lock cutters <laughs> <laughs> and get an 18 wheeler yeah. and go get our stuff back. Yeah. Our lawyer's advice were, was, and we've never done anything illegal um, that we've ever been convicted for. <laughs> so, uh, kidding. Um, can you please edit that? <laughs> Whatever you feel. Um, so our lawyer said, you know, if you get convicted for trespassing, it's, a hell of a lot less than losing $2 million of equipment. So I started to book my flights mm-hmm. to come back to, to get our equipment. However, while all that was happening, we managed to, to uh, get pretty good comfort that we were going to be able to, to get our goods in full. And we were, I think, one of only eight breweries in North America because we paid it for it in full right. that actually got it. Even if you'd paid for it just a partial payment, you mm-hmm. weren't able to get it. Wow. And no yeah. money back. No yeah. partial payment back. 
So in terms of a lesson there, is there something that you would do differently? Would you say it's always good to pay in full because of a situation like that? Or would you be more hesitant to in case it went the other way and, you know, well, much I, money I, out the door? I guess this lesson would be once you're paid for your stuff, get it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> don't, just, don't just leave it sitting there. You know? Yeah. But good point. Who's, who's going to be able to predict that? Right. Yeah. No. I think that understanding the risk of your business and going through that process is really important. I don't think that we often do. Sure. Mm -hmm. You know, who could have predicted a pandemic? Right. You know, you may not have predicted a pandemic, but could you have predicted higher supply costs mm -hmm. at a point? Mm -hmm. Could you have predicted a downturn in the economy? Sure, you could have You could have done those things. So you, you might have said, hey, if we are seeing a downturn, if we are seeing supply costs, you know, supply chain challenges, you know, how can we you know, change our business. Mm -hmm. So some of the things that you identify as a potential big risk to your business, if you deal with those things, mm -hmm. then you then uh, it's easier to deal with things like a pandemic or a meteorite shower or a tidal wave or right, earthquake right, right. or whatever, right? Yeah, oh, makes sense. Awesome. Is, well, is there, do you want to do that? Is there anything else that you want to add? Sure. Oh, you go ahead. Oh, one second. There's nothing else. No. <laughs> all right. I'm all, I'm all done. All right.